and namaste. This is Preeti Adhikari, the founder of the Great Nepali Diaspora, and this is TGNB Beats, Diaspora Ka Kurakani. This is the podcast where we share stories of Nepali professionals around the world and share the stories of success, perseverance, and struggle. And today we have a very, very special guest, somebody that I've been trying to get on our podcast for months. Um, so super excited. Uh, Rupa Lakshmi Shah is the Global Program Director at Mozilla. Before that, she used to be the Director of a Global Philanthropic um, Partnerships at Scratch Foundation. She has an MPA from Cornell University and is a visiting lecturer there now, right? Lots of amazing things to talk about. Let's welcome Rupa. I thank you, Preeti, for having me and uh, my apologies for sort of putting this off for so long um, with a small child and, you know, career transitions. It has been very hard, hard, I mean, difficult to schedule, but really happy to be here. Um, happy to talk to you all and just share some of my experiences. Perfect. No, no, I think you were definitely worth the wait. So I'm so glad uh, we're, you know, getting to have a chat today. Um, so Rupa, tell us a little bit about uh, what philanthropy means. Because I'm in Nepali context, my people either have vague ideas or they have the wrong ideas. So tell us, tell our community what it is and what it's not. This is a very good question, Preeti. And um, as Nepalis, I think we sort of confuse philanthropy with GoFundMe or like, you know, transactional uh, like interaction with somebody who is either willing to give their services or their money. But philanthropy really means is... Uh, it, it consists of three things. It's your network, it's your resources, which is like your info, you know, with your knowledge and your background, and your um, and money. Um, money is, I mean, it's it's obviously it's important. But what what we when we think of philanthropy, I think all of us should think of it in in three different buckets. It's the mm -hmm. network. So if I connect with you, can you connect me to somebody? So this is like our, you know, your global Nepali diaspora, like it's, it really is similar to that. So connections, resources, um, and money resources, as in what kind of information do you bring? How can you help me in terms of education and information? And um, at the end, money. And I also really would like to emphasize this. And I've always said this, is that it's the connection to people. It's your relationship. Exactly. That is philanthropy. Mm -hmm. um, you represent an organization. I represent an organization. What are what are the areas that we can collectively make an impact, right? So that is sort of the philanthropic relationship aspect. Um, so I always emphasize this: like it's people is in the center of all of this. Impact is in the center of all of this. It's not always about money because we think mm -hmm. like philanthropy is getting a GoFundMe for a specific exactly. Thing. Right. So, no, no. I, so, and I think we, Bahamra uh, community, like say there's this educational component, even on this, right? In terms of uh, not just what it is or what it's not, but how to best leverage it, right? How to invest in long term relationships in general, whether whichever career field people are in. I think there's such a need to not to be transactional, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I landed at Mozilla. Actually, this is a crazy story. Mm -hmm. This is where the relationship piece ties in. Mm -hmm. um, I landed at Mozilla because there was this person who actually was part of the hiring committee to bring me in as a director of philanthropy at Scratch. And she had sort of moved on to Mozilla. And and I had stayed in touch with her, you know, through several months, you know, if they were 
had some kind of RFP, like call for proposal, I would reach out to her and say, hey, is this, and can we, like, has, can Scratch qualify? So I kind of built that relationship piece. And when I told her that I was about to leave Scratch, she's like, Ruba, ho- hold on a minute. Like, there's something for you at, at Mozilla. And I was like, I'm just, I, I need some time off. I'm going to, so she really connected me and that that relationship really blossomed into us being coworkers again, which we really enjoyed. So, um, you know, I, it, this is not a philanthropic relationship in any way, but for me, I think, you know, that network is important. Maintaining relationships is important. What I'm doing on making my impact and how do I communicate to my friends, to, to my peers, to the overall sort of community that I'm in is important. Um, so I think philanthropy, I think this is a good kind of like setting the stage that we're doing is that, you know, philanthropy, it really is like a, it's more comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Right. What, you know, we, we think of. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, we know next question is actually about your new role, which I'm super, super happy for you. Uh, I think it's super exciting to have a Nepali in that role. Tell us what it entails. So, I, I joined Mozilla as program director of global uh, institutional partnerships. Um, so what it means is like, it's it's actually, it's a funny story. When I interviewed Mozilla, um, they weren't looking to hire two people and establish a department. Now I'm part of this brand new department and we're still figuring it out. But what it really means is Mozilla is a movement builder, right? So they've built this like, oh, you know, there's all these uh, uh, web browsers back in like 90s they're like oh no we're going to do an open source our own all the community is going to come together and build this open source um, browser which they did and became very successful um, so now they're doing the same thing with trustworthy AI with data exactly with- and which is so timely anyways right exactly so you know I thought this role came to me at like a perfect time because mm-hmm. um I think, and, and I, uh, wherever I go, I am representative of Nepal, right? Like I, I, you know, I have this, I genuinely have this identity crisis where when I go to Nepal, I'm more American. When I'm here, I'm more Nepali and like, I don't fit anywhere. But one of the strengths that I bring, and I think all Nepali people working in different sectors in the world bring is the, a different perspective, right? So one of the things that Mozilla is trying to do is, um, you know, the technology conversations, right? It happens in San Francisco. It happens right. in Boston. It happens in New York. But how do we sort of engage this like larger, there's billions of people out there, right? Like there's exactly. not three million people. It's nothing. And out of those people, you know, maybe two million or three million making decisions for the entire world is not equitable. Mm-hmm. And Mozilla is really needing this. Um, and I think this is such a great time for us to be part of this because, you know, I come in and say, what about my mother-in-law who just showed me that TikTok with like a mermaid video and said, this is real, right? Like there are people that we're living out in this technology, you know, landscape shift. That it's is- trying to make the world more inclusive. Like exactly, exactly, exactly. They have this, uh, Mozilla has this uh, project called Common Voice, which is actually funded <laughs> And I don't want to get this wrong because I just started. I think it's funded by Gates um, and Ford Foundation. And so what they're trying to do is, so if you look at Alexa, if you look look at these voice platforms, it's these American and British, you know, all languages. But they're trying to kind of incorporate all of the languages around the world. So you just basically donate your voice and that becomes part of 
the Alexas and like all of the AI uh, or, you know, that that platform. So they're really thinking about um, equity. They're thinking about inclusion, accessibility. They're thinking about democratic sort of shift into, you know, right. larger group of population that is left behind us. And I come in as like, okay, I'm from Nepal. Our, you know, what happens in India affects us greatly in our in our politics, in our society, in our community. Like, how are you all thinking about enabling the tech sector in that side of the world? Right. So everybody's voice is hard, right? So like, mm-hmm. I'm coming in from that sort of angle, and I'm really happy in this and in, in, happy to be in this role because this is more of like working with the bilateral agencies, with like larger foundations um, that are really leading charge of changing sort of the narrative of how tech is being built and developed. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so that's the role I'm in. Um, we're also a grant maker and a grant seeker. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, Mozilla Corporation sort of is the major entity, and then I'm part of the foundation, which is also part of, actually, the foundation owns the the corporation. Um, So um, I'm going to be leading, uh, I'll I'll be one of the team members leading the global partnerships with, you know, Mm -hmm. the governments and bilateral agencies and foundations and really making sure that everybody's voice is heard in this shit Mm -hmm. that is happening right now. No, that's so exciting, the exciting stuff, right, in terms of, especially as with AI, last couple of months, my dears, we see so much happening. And I was just on a call uh, earlier today who was uh, who's in Nepal doing some incredible work. And she was saying that AI scares her because it's happening so fast, right? And I'm so glad that we have a Nepali representing all of us, not just all of us in the diaspora, the people from Nepal that you know, whose voice isn't heard, right? I think, and it's super important to 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 have a representation there. So, so I'm, I'm so glad on that. Um, or could say, uh, Rupa, I want to sort of uh, take a step back and go to your childhood. Um, tell us about uh, your childhood in Nepal, Timbro, uh, you know, before you actually came to the U.S., how was your life there? And uh, what sort of uh, special memories do you have from that time? Uh, that you're already smiling when you're thinking about it. No, I was thinking about like how difficult of a kid I was and that I was like a misfit. So, uh, no, it's, you know, um, I'm glad you asked that question because I think it's really important um, um, for me to sort of introspect and think about how my experience has shaped who I am now. Um, right. My generations of my family have been in the military. So, you know, like my dad was very strict, like very, um, and uh, went to a military school. So military school go sort of 90 students, 60 more boys, 30 were girls. So there was a lot of bullying. There was like, you know, like 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. It was a different time, actually. Um, and I always fought with everybody because I did not want to be bullied by everyone, anyone. I did not want anyone to say anything to me. So I think I really grew up with this like fighting mentality. Like <laughs> it's to me like more like I grew up with that mentality. Um, and uh, at that time it was difficult because, you know, I go to school and I'm just like fight with everybody. And then told my guy, 
you know, the Eve teasing was like normal. They're more, more educated, more informed. They don't do that. And you know, I'd fight. Um, so I really, I think, fought with that like survival sort of fight, uh, fight you to the death mentality um, and really shaped me as a person. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I'm like that now. I'm more, you know, calmer and gentler. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then I think middle life school, like one of the key experiences was to be this. And I'm really embarrassed to see this. And I do. I denounce this messaging like right away before I even see this. Um, I modeled for Fair and Lovely. Right. So this was 11th. Yeah. 11th. And, and this is a very long story. I don't know if we have time for this, but um, there was an open call. I heard it on FM. Yeah. It was a big deal. <laughs> I heard it. And then, I remember. Yeah. And then I wrote down the number and I called in the next day from my college. I used to go to a blood right. in the community. Right. Oh, yeah, I think you just need like a full shot or a headshot sign. And then I didn't have my walk to New Road and got my photo concern. It was like, there's no way I could afford it. So, like, I did my shots, right? Like, full shot, like half passport size shot. And then I went to the, um, this was when I was in 11th grade, actually. I was finishing up right. 11th. And so I gave my photos and then, like, some randomly, like I cho- got chosen among like um, I think 500 other girls to be right. a model in this co- commercial. Didn't tell my dad the whole time, and then when the decision came, I was like, ah, "I'm gonna be a mo-. like I I want to do this. This is a great opportunity." And my dad resisted and resisted, and finally he came around, and I did that. And at that time, it was okay. really really big. Like I was on billboards everywhere, and the bad of Glasgow man, like I had no idea what was going on. Like I. So you were famous from back then. I was, yes, I was famous. And uh, I think that really, and, and I was always sort of, like, how do I find opportunities in Tete Belama, right? And so, um, and I, I grew up in a very sheltered, like, army school, and then like two years that I had plus two that I didn't go to army school was like, you know, I got a chance to flourish. And I think that was an opportunity for me. So, yeah, famous, um, and it opened a lot of doors for me. Um, both. So after that, Bharat Passport Lahiri, Kantipur Television was um, establishing their new operations. They're mm-hmm. building, you know, so I applied. I went to Bijay Kumar Pandey, the, the, the journalist, and he had interviewed me for his Nepal magazine. And I went to him and I said, I want to apply for that. Can you help me? And he's mm-hmm. like, well, they don't listen to me, but I can say, you know, if you're a lovely kid, you're a lovely so I was like, please do that. So I gave the written exam. I passed the interview, passed all the screen tests. Then I was one of the first staff that joined Kantipur Television. Oh, and wow. I, I did not know this about yeah. you. I, I have very extensive background. Well, and, very cool. Yeah. So Bara class for Bahari, I was I would go to school uh, plus two, South Bazibiana, then finish up at eleven forty five, then take the bus and go to Koteshwar. Um, to Kantipur Television and then work till like 10 p.m. and then come home 10 p.m. Oh so I remember um, doing that and uh, I really think those experiences shaped my life. Um, and so, so before all of this happened, no class for my head when we were in the middle of civil war, child workers in Nepal concern center. I remember I, we lost touch years ago. So I remember saying, like, Didi, I want to do something. Like, can I come and help 
all of this was going on and we used to cut like newspaper articles and like paste it in mm-hmm. and then like file it so that we have data that was our data collection so i missed mm-hmm. all day yeah you got and then i think you know it exposed me to kids who were you know living in streets the vilamas kids street um kids you what's out going the main problem too and so Right, I think right. that was sort of where my heart was since like mm-hmm. very young age. And there, that really shaped me into all of doing all of this now. Um, so, yeah, I think that I went on like this big tangent about it. But no, I love that. I love your <laughs> stories. And you're so right, right? It's up like experiences have shaped you into the person you are. Yeah. yeah. That's sort of uh, connecting uh, sort of questions. Eh? Um, did you always, did you want, what did you want to be? What's on that favorite say? So, I, you know, that's a good question. I didn't, okay. I always wanted to be a news reader, news anchor. That was my life. Yeah. I grew up watching, you know, Nepal TV, women reading news in English. Nepali. And like, exactly. No, no, no. I remember the fascination. They yeah. sounded so polished. Yes. So my goal in life was to be a news anchor and it still is. I will not give up on that dream. If I go to Nepal, like I know I can go back to Canterbury and say like, hey guys, I'm back on the news all right. But um, that was my goal. But you know, um, and this is why I'm so, uh, you know, supportive of young kids becoming exposed to what's out there. Mm -hmm. Which right. is why working my work at Scratch was like personal to me because you know I wanted kids to know that this is something you can do and pursue. Um, we didn't have access to that, right? Like I didn't, exactly. like no one showed me Nepal, like doctor, engineer, you know, pilot. That was it. Like right. told me you can work in nonprofits. No one told me you can be a fundraiser, or a partnership builder. Right. Like no one told me all of this. So, um, so I didn't, I didn't really know, but. I had to say, I always said, like, I want to be a news anchor. So that right. was sort of the goal. Um, but then I guess, you know, uh, America, and Philly, then I grew up and after Canterbury, I was like, okay, what do I do next? And for me, the next big thing was to go to America, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially someone coming from my family's background was like a big deal. Um, so the next thing to do was like, go to America. And then America got a given. No idea. So really <laughs> sort of like, let's do it and figure it out. But they more, I love. But uh, yeah, no, I, I so so continue that story. Tell us how you actually ended up in the U.S. Um, very interesting story, says Mapani. So, um, I had a friend uh, back in Kanthipur TV who, who was a U.S. attorney. Um, Abhidhi, I'm still friends with him. Very dear friend. So, oh, mom, New Zealand, New Zealand got a port. So, I just can't afford it. It's too expensive. Kind of encouraged me. I know America applied. I don't know about So, I started applying to America, uh, US, and then um, I had no idea what I was doing. Obviously, my dad didn't know what, what I was doing, uh, and no one knew. Um, and so, I would save the Tuvila, I had like 8,500 rupees per month, right? That was like, so much money. I would spend like all of Mal in Java. That was the first time it established. Like, yeah, like all of that. But, but then I had saved some money to uh, get TOEFL, uh, whatever, certified or whatever. And right. then applications, there was like $50. So I, you know, so 
त्यो गरेर आई हेड सेव्ड अप सम मनी सो आई गॉट इन टू स्कूल्स इन बॉस्टन माउंट होलियोक एंड देयर वाज वन इन ब्राउन्सविल टेक्सास एंड देन देयर वाज वन इन ओक्लाहोमा एंड वन इन सेंट मोनिका कैलिफोर्निया एंड आई हैड लाइक ऑल ऑफ दिस वर अमेरिका फॉर मी आई हैड नो आइडिया लाइक स्टेट व्हाट राइट सो आई कांट इवन मैं कार्मेंट बोर्ड बाइरे नहीं गाते नहीं लाइक कार्मेंट प्रेस में भी नहीं गाते सो and apply but so people apply got and I got into those and I remember Brownsville Texas was the cheapest it was like you know mm-hmm. that semester or something like that right. and I okay. worked Brownsville because this is something I can afford and then um I had another friend whose boyfriend at that time was a peace corps volunteer an american peace corps mm-hmm. volunteer um scott I still yeah. remember anyway you scott love and scott look all of the school I've got into all of this and like I can't make a decision on where to go and you say say um let me see kaka rice out in my boston don't go there it's too cold and then browns me texas i think that's where i'm going to go because it's cheaper and he's he said no 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 and was out not a good place to be or all right it's like border town whatever and then i said oklahoma and he had just come back from bear guns and he said oh oklahoma is like guns of america you don't want to <laughs> and it was like santa monica california it was a community college right everybody told him not college but that was you know i wear it was like $3000 like second cheaper and he said he said go to santa monica they have beautiful weather money and that's i was like okay then i'll go to santa monica when i right. santa monica college i initially applied for film tv because at that time i was thinking about like what kind of education don't we have in nepal in that time film tv was so i applied film tv program in santa monica college i got in got my i20 and then um I had visa interview the next day and I went ahead and told my dad he didn't know anything about this. Oh and I said, "Dad, I have visa interview tomorrow and I need 15,000 rupees because if you get visa you need to." And I was broke, right? And my dad was like, "Geez, like geez, this is a joke. Like what is this?" And I was like, "No, this is serious." And so my dad was confident that I was not going to get a visa. So he's like, "We say you bully Malaya to za." So he just like <laughs> So uh next day obviously you know went in um and they saw my background I was working in TV I wanted to pursue TV um so they I got the visa the first person I called was my dad <laughs> so that way battle to I said fit down in a manera right down in a manera plus he's like what the hell you got is to kill you come over to keyboard like no such a good way so so yeah and you know I had just finished uh 12th grade and so I was barely 19 um and uh my i fought my dad for like 3 months and to let me go and you know he finally let did let me go with uh some loans that he took out to send me to america so i came to santa monica um los angeles ma and um so somehow inadvertently you know when you graduate when you're in la you end up in entertainment business like it's just right. how it is so my late tv no pardera my communications for natale and i loved like you know communications when i queue costary formal communication when i queue you know business so all of that i loved that part of it and so uh i ended up in a pr agency in in, in beverly hills that was mm-hmm. representing like charlie seren and angelina jolie and my job was to just you know look at all the photos and look what designer they were and what jewelry they were so that we could go to their stylist and or whatever like or just let them know that look Angelina Jolie wore your stuff right and red carpet right, or whatever right. that was my job and i remember being miserable like 
<laughs> miserable to the max, right? I had no idea. I was, I was thinking you, you were so excited. <laughs> this is, I was miserable. Right? I, I had no idea, right? Like, I'm going to worry. When we come from where we come from, it's much different, right? But at that time, we, we didn't know how people work here. Like, we didn't know the style, working culture. Also, you know, I was new to this country. I'd only been here for like five years. So it was a very, it was like, like trial by fire sort of experience. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned working in these entertainment industries, like there's so many people behind the scenes that do so much work. And then the credit goes to one person. And I felt that was so unfair. And I never, I just never like the glitz and glamour of it. I also worked in, uh, while I was in college, I also worked as a production assistant in like major movies. Um, I worked mm-hmm. with Michael Bay in Transformers. I worked in uh, one of the Pirates of the Bay, Pirates of the Caribbean series as an assistant. So I did all of that in the industry and I ended up in PR. And I kind of liked PR because it was, I was building relationships and I think that, that stood out for me. So I think... Right. Taking that PR to now building relationship in the fundraising and partnership building phase, I think I've really enjoyed this. But would I ever go back and work in the entertainment industry doing the, no, I just, it's just glamorous, right? It's like amazing to go to these parties and you go, right, right. it's just not what I wanted to do. Not you. Not me. Not me. So, yeah. I so love many. this. I feel like. I feel like we should do like um three episodes just on your stories, Rupa. They're like incredible. I, I love these stories. I think our audience will definitely enjoy them. Um a sort of question that you know um that I wanna ask you is um especially when we think about Nepali women, right? Uh, traditionally there's this stereotype of, you know, uh, you know, just accepting what comes to them and so on. And you're Definitely not that, right? Even as, as you know, as you share your stories, uh, a childhood man and professionally funny, right? And, uh, you know, I sort of uh, don't like asking women how you do it all and on so on. But, uh, but I, I do want uh, this, um, this fire you always had, right? This drive you always had to hustle and everything, which is so exciting, especially as a Nepali woman. How do you think that has shaped you know, your career? Um, I think that's a, that's a really good question. And I just want to do justice to that question because it's really important, um, especially young women now, right? How mm-hmm. they perceive our journey and how it, how it actually is. Right, right. Um, so one thing I knew um, coming from Nepal was that I'm not equipped. Theodora picture something there, there's equity versus equality when you're a picture. Exactly. Is like everybody starts in the same page or one of those, right? right and, the ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I came from like really in the bottom. Um English was a was a struggle. Um I mean of course I could understand and I could speak, but in order to communicate in a clearer, in a crisp way was articulated no, happily, right? Right. Like articulating your thoughts was was a process. So I knew, um, and I also wasn't very, you know, book smart. Like I was always an average, like I'll just get by, like I'm not, you know, smart. So I think one of the realizations that I had early on in my career was that I'm not super smart. I'm decently educated. um, And the only 
arsenal I have is hard work. And that's what I'm going to do. That's that's my arsenal, right? If you like, I always think of it as like, this is very like, like the grim setting just to like, when you go to a war, what do you go with? You go to win. And what you go with is what you take out is your most useful weapon. So for me, most useful weapon was that I can work hard. I can work late nights. Mm-hmm. I, I could just do it. Do the hustle. Right. The hustle, right. So that was a thing. And I also didn't come from like a very, um, and also I think one of the things that really helped me was that there was no safety net for me. Like if I didn't right. make that m- month, I would be homeless. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. Like I had no friends, no family when I came to U.S. So I think to, to, and also it was a different era. So I think for people, for young women and men now, I think one of the things that I really say is that like, what are your, what is your arsenal? What is on your arsenal? Like, what can you do? Right. So, and then like, what are the things that I can, I have it in my arsenal, but I need to sharpen it time to time. Kids on you. What is the skills that you have that you can sort of sharpen it time to time? Man, it's hard AF to do it all. Like, it really is. Of course. And we should say that more. Exactly. Man, like, I'm a new mother. I have a one and a half year old. The amount of, like, the, you know, just the work that, and you're also a mother, right? Like, just the work. I mean, it's it's hard. It's really hard. And more young women like them, keep on a chance when they think far out, like for the future. What do you want? Right. If how, what kind of career do you want? Right. And if you decide to be a mother at some point, how are you going to take care of yourself, your baby, and work? How are you going to do that? So. Your mindset, my mindset, mindset. When I came to America, I knew I had to work hard. Otherwise, I was going to be homeless. Like there was just no other way. Just there was no other way to do it other than like I had to survive. So, two bio. And also, you know, one of the things that I think most women don't talk about enough is how important it is to have a good partner. Right. Right. We always talk about oh, behind every successful man, there's a woman. But so, but behind, I bet the other way. Yeah. Mm. There's also other way. And like not only your partner, right? Your family, like your sasu, your sasura, your, you know, your support system, your support system has to be very, very strong. And I think, um, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I have a nice boyfriend once. But then. And you, and you also put it on lucky. Well, I'm lucky I have a good yeah. husband. But you know what you have, you invest time for that. Exactly. So. Um, thinking about it long term, bringing in your best arsenal and establishing this support system. Ah, about the they're they're gonna be there no matter what. But then having someone who also understands the way you think, the way you sort of you know what motivates you, what makes you happy, um, and how that person can be supportive. I mean, you know, and I will also say that unless men give birth, there is no equality. Right. There is no equality. That is something I would say out loud, right? No, of how course. Do you, how do you make the best between two partners? Exactly. Um, so, so I think I didn't give you like a clear answer, but I think there's many things. I think you have to understand what your what your strength is. You have to under you have to really, and this is something I always say: this plan, go to add. Like, what do you want to do? Right, 
without a plan, whatever you do today, it doesn't matter, right? Like it just... And the just, plan has to be a little realistic, funny, okay? like that you have to... It can be a crazy dream plan that you have to make sure that there are variables that are going to happen. Life is going to, you know, hit you with uh, very unpredictable things. Whenever you have to... Yeah, that is respect. Yeah, and I'm not saying like, my goal is not to make a billion dollars, right? Like that's like unrealistic goal. But my goal... Right. I, what is my goal? What kind of wife do I want to be? What kind of worker do I want to be? Um, what do I want to pursue after after Mozilla? Like, what do I want to do? Like, I'm constantly thinking about this. And plan visions Like, you can't. Life doesn't. You know, you plan and then life happens. But so no, you, you but you have to have sort of a long term vision of like how you want to do things, where you want to be, so that everything you do now make builds sort of steps towards your goal um so you could i say i think you know a lot of us in nepal um, you know i remember coming to cornell and then i remember in my sort of like second third or fourth semester third semester theater i joined this class that basically helps you get a job in consulting and the question was um how many kids in san francisco are using phone between 2 to 4 p.m i remember this question because that question like opened the floodgates in my mind because yeah. like we are not the creative thinking, problem solving. You could like driven. Driven, like information derived garni, information process garni, this hypothesis hypothesis bar all of that thing is not taught to us at all. Our education system so I remember thinking like, yeah, between three to two to four p.m. What zip code? Okay, this zip code, this zip code. School or koti School Like he just hypothetically built all of this data and then inferred like, oh yeah, one two million uh, kids will be doing so and so at this time in San Francisco. And I was, oh my god, you to malai the thai range you used to just source neeta. So you used to important kura the malai thai or So just understanding what I don't know, um, and then. <laughs> I was in a meeting with my executives and, you know, I said, like, look, this is like, I don't know this. I don't know the process. I don't know. Like, I have a strict process, but then yours is different. I don't know that. So understanding what you don't know and being okay with exactly. it. Right? Yeah. Like, Minded is, is, is so important. Exactly. Because we know, like, we just know what we know at this moment and then the next moment that information is going to be old information, right? So exactly. uh, really understanding yourself, I think, is super, super important. And then just being ready to work hard, man. Like, you, this, my like, you know, just working. I mean, just coming here is not the lottery. I think you have to make it. Make it not. Getting a job is not a lottery. Maintaining it is, is right? important. Exactly. Getting a job, anybody can get anywhere. Like, I don't think it's a problem. But um, yeah, and I think... It's a constant process. Like every day is mm-hmm. a process. Um, also understanding your short shortfalls. I remember there was a meeting with Lego and Lego was a big partnership that I managed in my last. Um, I remember having, the, I remember setting this meeting up and then my tour, I was like, I don't know, like four months, five months. And I remember not having a babysitter, not having my Sasuma. And like, I'm, I remember I'm telling my husband, like, you have to be home at this time because I had and even if Tora is crying, I'm going to just put him in a room and then he's going to self-soothe and I'm going to take this meeting because that is important to me, right? So like understanding that, um, my, understanding your rules, like 
I'm a perfect priorities at the moment, right? And then there are days where I just have to be a super worker. Like I just cannot be a super and that's okay. Right. So just like really understanding that I think is is important. Was that like a long winded answer? No, no. I love this. No, no, no. It's it's completely (laughs) fine. This is what we want, right? I think, uh, you know, through the podcast, it's funny that this is what we want to showcase, right? That, of course, we look at Mansiar, LinkedIn title in, in the company and so on. And we have these biases that, you know, their life is, oh, they got lucky. They sort of landed here. So there's a lot of work throughout your life and continuing. And that's what we want to showcase, right? And I love that you're um, sharing these personal stories that, which sort of cements that idea, right? So completely, completely fine on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's say I, you sort of touched uh, on it a little bit. I, I do want to give a shout out to your husband, Dick Vijay, right? Uh, especially I was reading a lot of impressive things about him, um, COVID, Kobelama. I want to keep the focus on you that I do want you to share a little bit, I'm sure, as as a wife and partner, uh, you, you've you done a lot uh, in terms of all the work that 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 sort of um, gained, uh, you know, media attention and everything. Can you share, Alikiti, about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my husband, Dig Vijay Mahat, is a, um, a cancer research scientist at MIT, at Cook uh, Institute of Cancer Research. Um, and uh, he's the final student of this Nobel laureate, uh, mm-hmm. Phil Schor. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, your hard work ideas, I think it also came from my, my husband. I think he really exacerbated that idea of like, if you, if you want to achieve something, you have to work hard. And, and I think he doesn't realize this, but I see it like every day, how dedicated he is and how, uh, driven he is in his science. All right. Which Mm -hmm. I understand nothing of, and I'm really glad, like, you know, understand some parts of my world but I don't understand any part of his world um so um, yeah so he's uh he was born and raised in Tanahu in uh in this village about 20 kilometers like in inside like he went to about 10 schools till ninth grade because he would top any school I and mean, he wouldn't study <laughs> he would just top one school and his dad would be like okay let me find another one and then he would just like move around um, right. so, uh, and, and he did his, uh, he came to us right around the time I did. Um, and, uh, he did his undergrad in Towson university, which is like, nobody's heard of in Baltimore. Right. And then, um, he really worked his, his way up and, and was always interested in science and, um, did this internship at a lab in, in Baltimore and the university, uh, university of Maryland, um, lab. <laughs> that sort of got him into a, a really good, uh, fellowship and a position at Cornell, um, which is sort of where we we met, and then I went to Cornell. Um, and now he's at MIT, and he's finishing up like he's in his seventh year of postdoc. So like PhD, what's oh. he We've been married ten years. We've, he's always been the research scientist, right? Like always been. Um, so and I, when he actually finally graduates from this, it'll be like an incredible celebration, right? I think he's gonna have something else that he's gonna work on, and it's just going to be this never-ending cycle. As a as a scientist's wife, as a doc's wife, I've made peace with the fact that my husband is always going to have all of this body of work that he has to do. Right. So I'm uh, say, you know, like one of the things that we're, my husband and I are both very passionate about, obviously our country, our uh, you know our work, um, and uh, we've established sort of some uh, businesses in Nepal that business, but like 
hamro labs are that what we are trying to do is so nepal ko alikiti the little bit knowledge i have about nepal's nepal cancer sector ko chai ki cha bhane nepal ma harek cancer test has to be sent to india or if it's high level go to hong kong and uh, we are trying to do is the, is is to change that and it's it's not like rocket science get the cancer test all you need is equipments and a lab and you need reagents you need access to companies who make these big you know um, technology so one of the things that we did covid was um usko mit ko exana professor robert langer van is a very well celebrated professor um he owns he actually one of the professors actually founded moderna so the founder of moderna um the professor who founded i forgot the name of, of his like i'm not in that field so i don't remember but phil who i also have a very good personal relationship with so phil introduced us to moderna because we were trying to get vaccines to nepal Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we did was uh, through CRISPR based covid technology say was developed by an MIT professor and then was run by this um this uh like biotech startup here um and so we were like you know CRISPR based technology perfect doesn't need PCR you know it'll be perfect for Nepal so we through my uh, through Phil's connections we navigated that we took crispr based technology tested it in nepal we got a $200,000 grants from um gates foundation um and open society foundation uh right. open sorry i forgot the name of this organization but we got a $200,000 grant to take this technology to nepal and we did mm-hmm. uh, it was december of 2020 so we traveled there during covid um set up the the national the public lab mangoira we set up all the equipments uh we had somebody from um Sherlock Biosciences actually is the company that we work with so Sherlock Lee they had sent their people to help us set up the machines and all that so unfortunately though um when my husband was there the technology worked when my husband okay. left um the people the person there was someone postdoc from Japan who was trying to get this technology going could not get it done but when you you know so that didn't really take off but one of the things that we realized is the dearth of technology in cancer sector in the, um uh, we were invited by the president bidevandari at that time and i remember her saying that like oh yeah mero malai cancer hola pani mero sample anonymized got it india par hai so like basically all of this is happening in, and hami we, we live in a country where patient privacy is is important data is important um Nepalma, we don't think about it that when really actually i was having this conversation with my colleague in mozilla data money go it comes from a place of privilege okay because we understand what data is and that's why we say oh data is important this is important but amro nepali context where like everybody's using tiktok like everybody you know like is giving their samples yeah and it's also like uh, data gives you a lot of access and all of it so that you don't understand the price you're going to pay for it eventually okay? and the fact that data is powerful when other people don't understand it so i'm uh, say you know we're trying to establish um uh, a lab where so nepal mukhi so cancer cancer la sabani mero sample uh lab lab ma lab ma there's an indian sort of a sales person sort of you know, so the doctor gets so if my sample gets sent to a lab in a particular lab in india a percentage is doctor a percentage is sent to the middleman who takes my sample to so 
and all of this cost is on the patient. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's this like whole intricate thing um, going on, and that's what we want to work on uh, next. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband is actually working with like, Nepali, the head of cancer hospital uh, in Nepal. So we're working on establishing this facility where most of the uh, cancer test does not have to go outside of the country. And Nepal, you know, one of the things is that things move very slowly. Um, exactly. Policy on the leg And one of the things that we really advocated for is um, your agents or cancer or reagents or just to test for like importance. So you that not 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 No, no, no. I've been there in terms of how hard it is just to get. Yeah. Like even in terms of even with good reasoning, it's uh, it's so tough, yeah. right? Yeah. And then just like just the logistic issue, get okay, to. Um, to okay. ice map ship garnopone, we just couldn't do exactly. it. And then like Nepal ko airport bridge or so. so there was just this whole logistical nightmare. But um eventually, you know, what we our goal is to have a um because of our access to big, you know, biotech companies, um, we wanna take all of this technology to Nepal. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. So Bio, we also connected with actually um what was that vaccine? The Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So I remember talking to Phil and then Phil connecting us to somebody ahead of Johnson and Johnson. And then I was talking to the CEO and then my husband was so all of this like kind of to this and they all sent us to India. And then we I remember having a conversation with the Nepali Health Ministry, my husband and me, and then Johnson representatives in India. And somehow, you know, after that conversation, we were able to get some vaccines in, in Johnson, but I also don't want to take credit for that because there was a lot of things that had to align. Sometimes they just, even being in that, uh, around that table and just pushing the, uh, you know, the issue matters yes. so much. So, yes. so thank you, Timida, Vijay both. I think there's so much that, uh, uh, that went behind the scenes. So I love that. And I think that sort of connects to how the diaspora can really help Nepal, right? Um, Theo is is an incredible example. Uh, one thing that I'd love uh, for you to talk about before we wrap up is, uh, you know, helping Nepal Foundation, right? And that's all what all of us want to do. That how can we help our Nepali diaspora that's you know away from Nepal and um, trying to do something? Um, I think mentorship is so important. I, I we really don't think much of it, but I think. Um, you know, mentoring people. And one of the things I did at, at Cornell was um, graduate, master's, students are like, I would just train them on how to interview for a job. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the questions you want to anticipate and how do you prepare for that? And I think, you know, especially Ailiko, uh, younger generation, and please don't quote me on this, but I think um, what is really lacking is the communication skills, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're so into our phones. Our, when we were growing up, we had no phones. Like we had to talk to people. Like we had to get things done. Right? So only everything is done via some other medium. So I feel like um, there are certain skills that I think I'm not saying like you know we. I mean I'm not an expert in any of this, but um, I think one of the things that we as sort of people who've been here longer, been in the 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 job landscape and career and been a career professional for a long time, I think one of the things that we can sort of depart from us is the knowledge of like, hey, this is how right. we did, right? Like, um, these, are the pitfalls. these are the pitfalls. This is what you can expect. Mm-hmm. This is how you sort of navigate, 
you know, these job interviews or you know, like if you want to go from master's education from un- directly from undergrad, like how do you, you know, how do you do that? So um, I think um, I have sort of mentored some of the folks um, from Cornell and even some of the Nepali people. Um, I would also love to, you know, love for people to kind of reach out to me and ask me like, okay, we're putting a grant application together. How, what are the aspects that we need to think about? I think we don't think about that enough. Um, and uh, yeah, and like one of the things that I was talking to somebody in Karkana a few months ago, and I was telling them like, if you put a grant together, build in a impact analysis. Like, so like really thinking about um, a professional point of view, but how can we help other people sort of think about things I think would be very. Rupa, I think there's um, such a need for it, like in terms of there's so many uh, Nepali or Nepali American uh, nonprofits that sort of need that education. I, I do want to host a separate se- session, like in terms of where you can share your expertise and guide these all. Um, that uh, as a co-podcast we're sort of, you know, towards the end of it. Uh, is there something that, uh, you know, your sort of last words or advice for our diaspora and our audience? Um, I think, you know, one of the things that I really want to commend you on is how you've sort of bring brought all of us together, right? It's so incredible. And, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, how does Priti, like, how does she do it? It's so much work. Like all these events that she's doing. Um, so I think what you're doing is really incredible and I really commend you for that. And um, I also think, you know, one last parting thought is that don't be scared to ask for help. Like, I really want people to understand this because my job is to ask people for money. And I go in thinking the worst they can so is no, so let's just go ask one another to it. So like, you ask for help. Like, you know, there was... I posted somebody and then you connected to somebody to, for internship opportunity. I said, look, you won't get an internship in your first year of college, but at least you will get an experience and exposure to how, what this process is like, right? right. So, so your network resources and connections, that's what we are. And I really want people to use us for that and not be scared to ask for help because right. if you don't ask for help, you're just ruminating, no. you're just miserable by yourself. So right. doing together, I think like I really want people to understand that we're all here for you all. Like if I need help on something, I want to reach out to somebody. Like I want, you know, like I don't, if I'm pestering somebody, I will pester right. the shit out, get help, right? So I think that's, that's one thing I want people to take away from this conversation is that like, look, like please reach out, like please we'll help one another. Um, of course. Um, and on that note, Rupa, thank you so much for your time. I think I learned so I learned so much about you uh, that I didn't sort of uh, know. And I, you know, I love that you shared all your stories and your advice. I think that's going to be super, super useful. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was really nice to talk to you all. Perfect. And uh, for our um, for our followers, say please. Subscribe to our channels, whether it's on Spotify or YouTube, and tell us who uh, you want to see on our podcast next. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.